This week's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and the 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com blc. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. If you want to become successful like billionaire business mogul Mark Cuban and New York Times bestselling author Kevin Cruz, the first thing you'll want to put on your to-do list is to actually get rid of your to-do list. On this week's episode, you'll learn why successful people hate meetings and the other life hacks that business owners, Olympic athletes, and straight-A students use to become more productive in managing their most valuable asset, time. Today I'm speaking with Kevin Cruz, whose most recent book, 15 Secrets Successful People Know About Time Management, is available now for download at his website, 15timesecrets.com. That's 15timesecrets.com. Grab a cup of your favorite brew, and let's get started. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like me and want great information on the go at all times. That's why I'm offering a free Audible trial to my listeners with over 180,000 titles, ranging from personal development, business, marketing, finance, and more. You're bound to find something that will make your life better and make you better at whatever it is that you do. Visit audibletrial.com blc as my gift for listening to my show, and you'll receive a free 30-day trial largest resource of books on the go. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash BLC. A direct link is in the show notes. Now, back to the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Business Life and Coffee. I'm here with a special guest, very good friend of mine and long-term. Uh, I call him a, a mentor from afar, uh, Kevin Cruz. Kevin Cruz is a New York Times bestselling author, an Inc. 500 startup founder, and his newest book, 15 Secrets Successful People Know About Time Management, is based on groundbreaking research into the habits of Olympic athletes, straight-A students, over 200 entrepreneurs, and seven billionaires, including Mark Cuban. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks, Joey. It's great to be here. Thanks for, thanks for coming aboard. So, so let's get started with the core question here. Why did you write this book? Uh, why did you decide that it was time to write about time management? Yeah, that's, <laughs> Joey, I'm getting that question a lot because I'm known more for, um, you know, the leadership and engagement books lately. And, you know, I was, an, uh, I like to say, a reformed entrepreneur, so why am I writing a time management book? Um, <laughs> you know, the reality is this, this is a passion project for me because, uh, you know, I had a complete kind of transformation myself in the area of productivity. You know, when I was, I mean, over 20 years ago, when I was young and dumb, I believed the hype that you can just kind of hustle your way to success. You know, so I started um, my first company with a dream to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to be financially independent. You know, I wanted to have a great life. And, you know, what quickly happened was believing in the hustle, you know, the to-do list was so long that, you know, I would, I would skip out on sleep so that I could get more stuff done. I would skip meals so I could get more stuff done. Um, I would skip time, you know, with my family to get more things done on that to-do list. Uh, even when I was home, you know, um, I was physically there, but my mind was else, elsewhere. It was the emotional yo-yo of, of being uh, when I'm working late, you know, in the office, I was feeling guilty that I wasn't home with the family, and yet if I was home with the family, I was stressed out that I wasn't getting work done, you know, from, from the office. And, yeah, yeah. 
the, the, the irony of it, the horrible thing of it is, even though I was working that hard, I mean, literally over 100 hours per week, you know, that my first business, I went, I went out of business. Second business, I gave up after a couple years. And, you know, realized that just because you want it real bad, just because you're willing to work over 100 hours, that's not enough. And, you know, I was young and dumb, but I was also a, a, a learner, an eventual learner. And I just started picking the brain of whenever I would come across, you know, a self-made millionaire, a successful entrepreneur, an elite athlete, anybody that had, like, extreme success – I would pick their brain and be like, hey, how do you get this 10x productivity but still seem totally balanced? You know, you're finding time to go jogging or play tennis or to take all these vacations with your family. Like, how do you get it all done? And slowly but surely, you know, I adopted the habits that they did and I stopped being, you know, so, so frazzled and overworked and overwhelmed. And the businesses did better and the relationships did better, you know, to the point where the last business that I sold, you know, I was, I grew it to um, just over like a $12 million a year uh, run rate. And I was working less than 40 hours a week in that business, completely different than, than 20 years before that. So with this book, you know, I, I just uh, thought, okay, there's got to be a lot of other <laughs> Young and dumb Kevins out there don't realize there's a smarter way. There's a way that you can 10x your productivity and not kill yourself, you know, during this, this uh, whether you're building your career in corporate America or doing the startup game. Um, but I didn't, Joe, I didn't want it just to be gee, just about me. So that, as you said, that's why I'm like, all right, let me go and interview as many billionaires as I can. Let me get over 200 entrepreneurs and say, give me your number one piece of advice. You know, athletes, straight A students. I wanted to see what were the common threads to achieving extreme productivity in this day and age. And that's what, what resulted, you know, in the, in the book. You were able to get those time management skills, not by osmosis, but by applying what you learned. And that's, that's very critical. Uh, I'm I'm curious to know what was Mark Cuban's advice. Yeah, yeah. Everyone always wants to know Mark's Mark Cuban, which I I agree. You know, Mark Cuban. It's kind of funny. So, of the um, seven billionaires that I talked to, that I interviewed, again, I I just ask open-ended questions. Like, give me the best piece of advice for productivity. You know, what would you tell an entrepreneur about time management, stuff like that. And three out of the seven billionaires, they talked about the evils of meetings, holding meetings. So Mark Cuban and his, you know, he's, he's always got a zinger. So his zinger was never do meetings unless someone is writing a check, you know. And, you know, I don't think he meant like one-on-one conversations with your colleagues, but you know, we're also overloaded with meetings. He's like saying, don't do them unless there's money transacting, right? But then yeah. he wasn't the only one. I mean, um, Dustin Moskovitz is, you know, he was the, one of the first co-founders of Facebook. He now runs uh, his own company as Asana. And that was his advice. He said, basically, you know, meetings are evil, and they have what they call no meeting Wednesdays, NMW. At Asana, you can't schedule meetings. Like, that is the day to create, to make, to do, but not to meet. You know, so they've just banned meetings for the day. Um, uh, one of the co-founders of Airbnb, a guy named Nate uh, Blacharzik, he said to me, um, I try to reserve the morning for doing real work. It's harder to get focused after, after having been bombarded by meetings. 
And, and um, the research bears this out, too, Joe. I mean, I started looking at, like, is there any data on this stuff? And first of all, the amount of time we spend in meetings is just obscene. But they looked at, like, stand-up meetings versus the sit-down meetings. And in companies where all the meetings had to be held while people stood up, those meetings were 34% on average shorter than sit-down meetings. And when they measured, they self-reported on, like, the quality of the decisions, the creativity, the civility of the discussion, all that, it, it was the same. So, you know, taking more time and sitting around the table does not get you any better results than stand-up meetings that are taking two-thirds the time. Yeah, you bring up a great point about the meetings. And, and Mark and the other billionaires bring up a great point about meetings. There's two things that I find interesting about uh, meetings that a lot of people don't consider. You know, first of all, in an hour meeting, an hour-long meeting with 10 people at the table, that's not an hour-long meeting. That's a 10-hour meeting because you're losing the productivity of 10 people. Uh, and when you start thinking about salaries and bill rates and billable hours, you're losing a lot of potential there. And so I definitely agree with Mark with, you know, don't have a meeting unless there's money involved because otherwise meetings can, can be a, a money drain. And then with regard to the stand-up meetings, uh, these days we're all about the comfy conference room chair. And if someone's in that, in that chair and you're standing between them and going back to real work, unfortunately I found that people will like to sit and pontificate and come up with ideas or, you know, have long in, long-winded speeches uh, as opposed to the stand-ups where it's like, okay, what is our action plan? What do we need to do? I want to sit down. <laughs> let's let's make this effective. So that's a really good uh, that's a really good good piece of advice too. Well, hey, Joey, and, and you know, God forbid that there's there's food in the meetings, right? Because exactly your point. <laughs> in too many large organizations, meetings are you know a way to break up the day. Oh, let's sit in a yeah. nice comfy chair, and there's windows there in that conference room. We'll gaze outside, and we'll eat a Danish and drink coffee. Yeah. And, and it becomes like a break rather than a productivity session. Yeah, I agree. It's a, definitely a, a break. Uh, and with that being said, it's harder to shift your focus back to the, the nitty-gritty of, of your work if you just came off of a, you know, a Chipotle-catered meal <laughs> and comfy chair and you've got a food coma. You know, your, your afternoon is pretty much shot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Were, were there any other notable uh, pieces of advice that stood out to you from the other people you interviewed? I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot of great advice, a lot of common themes, but there was a couple kind of colorful comments. And so, you know, one of them was, um, so one of the themes that emerged is that, you know, ultra-productive people, uh, they understand the power of no. I mean, they have no problem saying no, because saying no protects their time, protects their calendar. And the, the statement I got back from James Altucher, who's, you know, an investor, podcaster, written a lot of books, he, he said, if it's not a hell yeah, it's a hell no, <laughs> which I, um, I had my teenage daughter um, go through one of the drafts of my book because there's a lot of stuff for students and stuff, too. And that ended up yep. being her favorite quote. If it's not a hell yeah, it's a hell no. And then <laughs> the one that blew me away, though, I mean, talk about like, 
a guy who must just be like killing it. Um, so there's a guy, Kevin Harrington. Some people might know him from Shark Tank. He was he's like mm-hmm. one of the alternate sharks. Um, yep. He's the inventor of the infomercial. He's worth about five hundred million dollars. And he wrote to me um, back, and he said, "Before I decide to take on a new project, I analyze it. How much of my time will this take, and what is the financial upside potential? I create a dollar per minute." analysis. Hopefully, a million dollar per week upside. So, you know, this is cool to me on two levels. You know, one is, oh my God, this guy doesn't want to say yes, unless it's going to bring him a million dollars per week. Like that blows me away and shows like what a baller Kevin Harrington is, right? But there's a lot of wisdom in that too. I mean, here's this guy and he's saying with any opportunity, any new thing that's coming his way, he's stopping, he's analyzing, he's doing that math that you just talked about. Like, well, what's that cost in salary? What's that cost in opportunity cost? What's that cost in Bill Blowers? He's saying, what's that going to cost me per minute, and what's the potential upside? And will that upside be a million dollars per week? So, I mean, that was pretty uh, – there's a lot of wisdom in that simple, long sentence he gave. Absolutely. And and for the listeners of the podcast, they might be thinking, wow, this is a bit extreme or an intimidating practice to consider analyzing your time and, and the the return on investment you get from your time. But I just say it's it's like a muscle and the more you exercise it, the better you'll get at it. So right. I would definitely think that a good action item from this podcast would be to to start analyzing your time and what the return has been on that. And you'll probably trim a lot of fruitless ventures uh, from your plate. <laughs> yeah, Joe, I'm, I'm glad you broke that down, too, because you're right. I don't want people to think, like, this is only applies for the, you know, super wealthy or something like that. You know, it, it, you can certainly analyze and get a real good, accurate, you know, uh, calculation on your time. But even if you ballparked it, I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're working on an hourly basis now, and you're making 10 or $15 an hour, well, you know then mm-hmm. you shouldn't be spending t- your time on things that are less than that. You know, if you take your, your salary and benefits and do a quick, you know, calculation down to, to the number of weeks in a year and then, you know, 40, 50 hours in a week, and you end up with a number, whether that's 50 bucks an hour or 100 bucks an hour, you got to think twice about, you know, do you want to be cleaning your own bathroom at home on the weekends? Do you want to be mowing your own lawn, or should you be outsourcing that to someone at a lower billable rate. And I think to really, you know, amp this up, know that number, but also know, like, what do you want to be making? You know, so if you're a solopreneur or you're an entrepreneur and you really, you know, or your dream is to make six figures someday, you know, you need to start doing tasks and activities that six-figure professionals do, not what you know, other people do that are not at that level. You know, you need to, to do, spend your time on the things at that higher aspirational level, you know, how they're spending their time. But it applies to all of us, no matter where we're at today. Yeah, definitely. And, and we're going we're gonna to follow that trail a little bit. You, you mentioned things to do. Now, there is a multi-million dollar industry around the idea of creating to-do list and to-do list being the number one way to be productive. But you're actually recommending that we stop using to-do list. What, what's the rationale behind that, and why should we throw out our 
you know, our binders in our memo pads and, and follow the Kevin Cruz way of being productive. <laughs> yeah, Joe, I mean, this topic, like, you're right. I say, you know, rip up your to-do list, burn it, ball it up, and take a three-point shot with it right now. And <laughs> this advice leads to the hate comments and the trolls because you're right. We've all, I mean, this isn't our fault. You know, if you're feeling overworked and overwhelmed, it ain't your fault. It's that this whole industry has been preaching to-do lists, which is, is um, actually 100-year-old technology. Uh, there's a guy, there was a guy named Ivy Lee. He was hired as a consultant by Charles Schwab, who was running U.S. Steel, so around 1910, 1915, something like that. And uh, Ivy Lee's advice to Charles Schwab's executives was, okay, here's how you maximize your productivity. When you go into work, write down six things you need to do on a piece of paper, start at the top, work on that thing till you're done, then move on to the next thing. You keep, keep doing this until it's time to go home, and then you go home. Now, to-do lists worked back then when we had more time. I mean, these, these you know, back then, it wasn't like today's, you know, crazy, quote-unquote, crazy busy world. There, all the executives had plenty of middle managers. All the middle managers, every one of them, uh, had his own secretaries because managers were him, and they called them secretaries, you know, admins. Um, it, when it was 5 o'clock, everybody went home. Uh, there was no global uh, business being done. There was no email back and forth, you know, at 8 o'clock at night. So, and, and, and how quaint, right? Six items on a piece of paper. I mean, you know, when I did have a to-do list, it had 80 items on it. It was crazy. So when you look at, and, and hey, there are some people out there, if you are, you know, in, a, in an average situation and only need average productivity, Stick to your to-do list if it's working for you. I mean, go ahead. Do what's right for you. But for extreme productivity, not a single one of these people are saying the to-do list is the secret. Uh, In research that was done last year, they found that um, half of the items, 50% of all the items on the to-do list, were never done, ever. They just sit there on the bottom of the to-do list. Most of the items that were done, they were done immediately, like within an hour of being put on the to-do list. So it's a fake sense of, um, of organization and productivity. And, you know, one of the problems uh, is, you know, we don't, we, when we put things on our to-do list, there's no time duration next to them. So we often will, will tick off the things that are quick to do. You know, there's no waiting, so we tend to do the urgent and not the important. And then the big one is... Um, you know, psychologists call it the Zeigernick effect. If our mind knows that there's unleft, unfinished business, things that we need to do, it causes stress, certainly at, a, at an unconscious level, I think usually at a conscious level, and I talked about that yo-yo of stress and, and uh, guilt. Um, yeah. And, and so it's like, hey, that list is sitting there. I'm trying to go to bed, but my brain knows there's this big list sitting there that needs to get done. But the simple act, so you say, well, what should, <laughs> that is ridiculous. What do we do with our, if we throw out the to-do list? Ultra-productive people, they don't work from a to-do list. They work from their calendar. So the trick is to schedule everything. Before you throw away and burn and destroy that to-do list, transfer all those items into a time block in, uh, onto your calendar. Calendar is not just for meetings and phone calls. Think of your calendar as a place to put appointments 
with yourself. Um, Chris Ducker, you know, told me, he says, you know, his number one secret, I simply put everything on my schedule. That's it. 30 minutes to check social media, 45 minutes to process email, quiet time. It's on the schedule. Uh, Jordan Har- Harbinger, podcaster, does Art of the Charm. says, use a calendar and schedule the day in 15-minute chunks. Dave Kirpin, huge social media guy, runs Likeable Media, entrepreneur. He says, I schedule out every 15 minutes of my day. I heard that over and over and over again. 15-minute chunks. Scheduled, uh, scheduling exercise. Scheduling family time, scheduling email processing time, scheduling time to eat, scheduling time for breaks. Every single thing gets put on the calendar. Um, It takes a little getting used to, but what then happens is you leave your calendar view open or you print out your day, and it's like a to-do list, but it's been scheduled. And because you're putting things on your calendar, you're not as likely to say yes to stuff because it's so easy just to add to the bottom of your to-do list. You actually have to find a spot to work on it. Um, you're less likely to you know, leave that doctor's appointment forever on your to-do list because who wants to go to the doctor, you know, so, so uncomfortable. But when it's scheduled for, okay, I'm going to call and make that appointment today at 3 p.m., 3 p.m. shows up, you get your reminder, and you call and make that appointment. Um, so that, that's the big key. I mean, nobody's using to-do lists once they get to a certain level of success, once they're getting to a certain level of pro- productivity. Yeah, I, I use the calendar as well. And, and the reason why I use the calendar, partly it's because I, I've seen you say use the calendar before. So I said, if Kevin says it, it must be true. <laughs> so I, I've used the calendar. But also, you know, the, the to-do list presents the myth that you have an infinite amount of time to complete an infinite amount of tasks on a to-do list. But the calendar makes it more practical and says, okay, well, I only have 24 hours a day for everything and seven days a week. So it's a bit, it makes it a bit more manageable, and it, it, does, it does help me say no to things because if I know that I've got a, a longstanding project, client project, you know, that I'm less inclined to take, you know, m- menial tasks or, uh, or if there's something that I know that I need to delegate because I've got a bigger project ahead, then it forces me to delegate. So I'm a big fan of the calendar uh, as opposed to the to-do list. Yeah, you, you said it. I mean, it's really smart, you know, right there because uh, the to-do list can go on forever, so it feels easy yep. to, to just put things on it. You know, we all, like everybody, if you ask people, oh, you know, what's most important in your life? You know, what do you value most? You know, we tend to all say the same kinds of things. Oh, my family, uh, my, my career, uh, my faith, you know, giving back to others, my friends, etc. And yet, we can truly see what people value by looking at, you know, the, the week or month view of their calendar. You know, because actions mm-hmm. speak louder than words, right? So, I can tell, well, oh, you said family? Well, how many hours a week are you spending with family? Oh, you said faith? How many hours a week or a month are you spending, you know, on your faith? And so by working from your calendar, it's sort of like you proactively will, you know, if you do it right, it's like, hey, you know what? I really do value my health because it gives me energy and creativity today, and hopefully it will, you know, help me to live longer in the years ahead. But that means I need to put it on my calendar. I will set up you know, a one-hour meeting with myself 
for a workout every single day. So, you know, we can see what we value. We can see our life when we look at our calendar. And, and so, and look, it's an ongoing battle. There's no perfection here. But to strive, to think through, well, what would my ideal day look like? What would my ideal week and month look like? And then to create that in our calendar as much as possible, I mean, it's a very, it can have a very powerful effect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Kevin, we are running low on time, and I want to honor your day. I'm sure that you plugged me into the calendar for a set amount <laughs> of space, and I want to make sure that you can continue to be productive. The uh, last question I want to ask is, uh, was there anything unique in the produ- productivity habits of the billionaires and Olympic athletes and students and entrepreneurs? Well, you know, <clears throat> they all shared the, the – there was one thing in common, and then they emphasized different things. So, you know, one thing in common is just, I mean, they know – they feel that time is the most valuable asset. There's only 1,440 minutes in every day. You never get them back. So time is literally worth more than money. You can always make more money. And when you, when, when you have that mindset, then adopting all these different habits becomes a, a lot easier. Um, where they differed a little bit, like the billionaires focused a lot on meetings, probably reflecting that so many people want a piece of them or are always trying to meet with them. You know, mm-hmm. the, the students... Their big thing was about handling how to handle social media distractions. You know, our, our youngsters are, uh, are struggling with, with social media. Um, it's funny, the Olympic athletes, I mean, I never would have guessed this, what they talked about probably more than anything was how valuable sleep and rest is. I mean, they're uh, all about rest and recovery as a way of maintaining energy. Um, yeah. and, and I think, you know, universally people realize in this group you know, you can't really manage time, but you can manage energy and focus. And so they have all these habits, you know, that, that allow them, you know, like understanding their priorities, putting them on their calendar, to live the life that they, they want to be living. I mean, it really comes down to that. Okay, great. Uh, and so, listeners, if you want to learn more about the 15 secrets that successful people know about time management, uh, you can visit www.15timesecrets.com, and that's the number, 15timesecrets.com. But, Kevin, do you have any parting thoughts that you'd like to leave with our audience today? Joey, I would just say that you are the best. It's been an honor to be on your show. And just remember, 1440, that is the magic number. You know, we need to master our minutes in order to master our lives. I'll leave it at that. Awesome. Master your minutes so you can master your lives. Kevin, it's been a pleasure talking with you, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more of your work in the future. Thanks, Joey. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's the show. This has been another episode of Business, Life, and Coffee, the only podcast that simulates the experience of having coffee with a mentor, industry expert, or fellow colleague. If you've enjoyed this episode, give us a five-star review on iTunes and we'll read your comment on an upcoming show. You can find show notes, episodes, and resources for your career or business at businesslifeandcoffee.com. If you have a topic that you want to learn more about but don't have time to grab coffee with an expert, email us at info at businesslifeandcoffee.com and tune in for that topic on a future episode. Also, you can reach me at Twitter at JVP said. This is Joey Price signing out. And I'll see you next week.